That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, November 27th, 2023. Larry Johnson joins us now, as is uh, customary on Monday mornings here in the U.S. Larry, a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. I have a lot of questions for you, of course, about um, Ukraine and the the Western uh, underestimation of President Putin, his patience, as well as the strength of his military. And I have some questions to ask you about uh, the IDF in uh, Gaza. But before that, the Turkish flotilla of a thousand boats, commercial boats, about which you and I spoke last week, what has become of that? Do you know? Yeah, well, it's uh, what's being reported in the press is they're supposed to assemble this Wednesday and sail for Gaza. Last week, they were reporting that they were going to sell imminently last week. So I, I don't, don't know what accounts for the delay. What is different about this uh, flotilla compared to, I think, the last one was 2010. Uh, it, it's much larger and it has a much larger international presence of people from other countries. So it will be an interesting uh, confrontation, to say the least, to see what Israel does. In the past, Israel has been able to board, uh, seize the ship, and then tow it into port. But uh, Israel does Israel does not have a navy large enough to tow a thousand ships. And in the previous some of the previous confrontations, Israel did end up killing uh, one American and uh, several Turkish citizens. Um, so I, you know, that's not going to if if Israel gets into a similar confrontation this time, that clearly is not going to help its image. Uh, the, these this is not the Turkish. Navy or the Turkish no. military. These are Turkish commercial boats, fishing yeah, this is a, boats, boats that transport goods. Correct. Yeah, it's, and, and personal and private yachts. Uh, so th- this is well, a, what is their goal? Is it to provoke the Israeli military? Yeah, in part. In part, I think it's just to simply embarrass Israel to force to again feed into the meme of Israel as a violator of human rights and denying people. Uh, humanitarian assistance so that uh, you know it, it is very symbolic in that way but it's, it's also genuinely trying to help provide get aid into the Gaza Strip right now how is it that Israel uh, can violate human rights on such a massive scale whereby the IDF has killed more women and children uh, in eight weeks than the Russian military has killed in Ukraine in 18 months. 
Uh, no. And and the outcry seems to be limited to, correct me if I'm wrong, Larry, the region uh, around Israel. There's no outcry here. There's no outcry in Europe. There isn't any, even an outcry from the typical leftish uh, and civil liberties groups that complain about this stuff. Well, not exactly, because we've actually seen... Let's answer your first question. The reason they're able to do it is because the United States allows them to do it. The United States is in a position to stop Israel cold because Israel is utterly dependent on the United States for military support in order to stay in this kind of fight. And it is a lopsided fight, uh, to be clear. Um, but we, what we've seen is that in the past, a lot of the outrage would be confined to the surrounding countries, but it has spread. So there's a real break between governments and popular uh, support. So you're seeing the streets of London filled with massive protests in support of the Palestinians. Mm. Uh, you're seeing that in other countries in Europe and Spain. Uh, you're also having uh, legislators in places like Spain and in Ireland uh, speaking out, condemning uh, Israel. Uh, the uh, I think it was from uh, the, one, a couple of ministers, one from uh, the Netherlands and from uh, Brussels, they went down to the border of Rafa and they made a very strong statement condemning uh, what have, Israel was have doing. Any, have any governments, as you've suggested, the U.S. government could do if Joe Biden picked up the phone, have any governments in the West, Western Europe, North America, uh, condemned the slaughter in Gaza. Yeah, no, okay, yes. Uh, the, these two European uh, states, um, that I think it was the Dutch, um, at least it was the Dutch, I forget the other one, and Belgium, Dutch and Belgium. They were on the, they were down at the Rafa crossing and they made a very strong condemnation of Israel. And then and Bibi Netanyahu, you know, basically called in their diplomats and he was outraged at it. And then one of the guys who made a statement responded to Bibi, I meant every word I said basically like that. So right. uh, they're not, Israel's not winning the PR battle. And this whole hostage release that has taken place really has shifted the tone. How uh, has it shifted the tone? Because it's, it's portraying the Palestinians, not as these violent, bloodthirsty murderers, but you know, the hostages that were supposedly being tortured and raped, they're being released. They look happy. Some are even, you know, seems solicitous towards uh, the previous captors. They're in good health. The crowds of the Palestinians that are coming out to re to welcome their folks who have been released are jubilant. They're massive. And when you look at the people that some of the people that are being released, they're not these, you know, hardened terrorists. Uh, There's one woman who had suffered terrible burns and uh, the Israelis refused to give her proper medical care. Uh, the plastic surgery needed to uh, repair those burns while in prison. And she was in prison for six years, and she is she did not commit a criminal act. That's the but what's really important here is that so many of these Palestinians that were jailed were jailed without due process. But you know, it's the old excuse. Well, we're at war, and so when when we're at war, you can do anything you want. Why are the um, Israelis who are being released? by Hamas called hostages and right. the Palestinians <laughs> who are being released by Israel called prisoners. 
they're, yeah. they're not convicts. They haven't even been charged, much less much less tried. Yeah, yeah. It's just that that's a, a clear example of how language is used to uh, structure the the meme or or how it's supposed to be perceived. That the the, the hostages were unjustly taken, whereas these prisoners they must have done something bad and they deserved it. Well, it, you know this is. The, the situation's complicated because, you know, I, I'm not trying to pretend that Hamas is some sort of humanitarian organization. But in our in, in, within the United States, we come out of a heritage of revolution. We come out of a heritage of people who took up arms against the established power. That Great Britain's relation to the United States is much the same as Israel's relationship is to Palestine. And we rose up to get rid of that. And we celebrate that in the United States, or at least once did. But for these Palestinians who are wanting to be free, where they have their own country, where they're not subject to Israeli military rule, the capricious, arbitrary enforcement of, of rules where property is taken. I mean, we've seen just in recent days where Israeli settlers who are illegally occupying territory that belongs to Palestine are bulldozing olive trees, which are an essential element of their of their economy, of their income. So, I mean, this as this kind of thing goes on, the world, there's growing revulsion. I mean, you, you've heard uh, Scott Ritter talk about it, that he no longer stands with Israel. And he at one time was, uh, would stand with them. And it, it is, you know, it's the kind of thing that you you don't wish ill for the Israelis, but they they cannot continue to treat the Palestinians like they're chattel. Are they losing the PR war in the West? Oh, absolutely. Israelis? Yeah, absolutely. For uh, in the United States, not so, so much. There is a there is, a, I think, a larger let's call it an anti-Israel sentiment today than we've seen in the past. But around the rest of the world, Israel is really getting one black eye after another, and a lot of it's self-inflicted. Uh, you know, they've they insisted that all of the you know the people that were killed on October seventh were killed by Hamas, and now you've had you've had an Israeli military personnel coming out and admitting that they killed their own people. Ah, but you won't hear you won't hear Hannibal directive, and you can explain what that means. You won't hear that phrase on American mainstream media. No, you get shouted down if you try to use it. The, the Hannibal Directive is, is simply put that uh, if an Israeli is taken hostage, uh, the possibility of being transported back into a territory like the Gaza Strip, that the Israelis will kill them rather than let them be become a political pawn uh, bargaining chip. And um, there is clear evidence that children and women and elderly who died on October 7th did not die at the hands of Hamas uh, fighters. They died at the hands of Israeli defense forces, both pilots flying Apache helicopters, launching missiles at cars without having any idea who was in them, as well as Israeli tanks shelling uh, homes and buildings where Hamas fighters were holed up, but they had Israeli uh, citizens uh, within those walls, and the so, citizens so were killed. The Hannibal, the Hannibal Directive um, authorizes Israeli forces 
to kill Israeli civilians as well as their own. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Comrades who have been captured or are about to become hostages. Do I have that yeah. right? Yeah, that's the, it, that's, it's, it's the de facto sense. I don't know. I'm not sure that it's necessarily been enshrined as a specific uh, policy written down and put into uh, you know, the military doctrine. But right. it's clearly something that, that has been done. Uh, they, they, were not, they were not exercising caution about carrying out military strikes where they knew that there were civilians. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you how the West so underestimated Vladimir Putin, both the strength of the Russian military and Putin's personal uh, patience. But first this. Can you believe the chaos confronting Americans today? The government is out of control. Debt is out of control. And have you heard? The dollar is under attack. This will soon be replaced by digital currency. No more paper cash. It's coming fast. So you need to get educated in other ways to protect and preserve the wealth you already have. What happens if the government destroys the United States dollar? I don't know. But I do know they can't destroy gold or silver or the value of it. That's why it's so important that you learn now how to transfer your wealth into gold and silver. So educate yourself about investing in precious metals. Take charge of your retirement with gold-backed IRAs and you can transfer a portion of your existing IRAs tax and penalty free. So don't procrastinate. Take control. Do the right thing for you and your family. Go to LearJudgeNap.com or call 800-511-4620. How do you uh, assess the glaring failure of the U.S. and NATO to assess the strength of Russian forces the determination and the patience of President Putin in managing those forces in the military operation in Ukraine. I think future historians are going to look back at this period and really scratch their heads and just chalk it up to one of the most massive intelligence failures ever. Because the the rhetoric that's come out about the, the Russian army, for example, being inept, incompetent, poorly led, low morale uh, is, I mean, it was kind of a mantra. It's been repeated by the likes of Mark Milley when he was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and Lloyd Austin. And, you know, it's just, it's clearly it's not true. And yet with that kind of belief, it limits what briefers will come in and tell the boss. So if the boss has staked out the territory that, you know, 
the Russians are no good. The last thing you want to be is that intelligence officer that comes in and goes, uh, General, uh, actually, the Russians are 10 feet tall. And, you know, they say, get, get, get that guy out of here. We don't want to hear what he has to say. Uh, so uh, it, it's one of those situations that once the folks at the top adopt a particular point of view and they repeat it, the underlings hear it and realize, you know, they're serious about it. They actually believe that nonsense. And these the folks who are the underlings, they want to get promoted. They want to keep a job. All right. But this phenomenon of telling the boss what you think he wants to hear seems to be happening regularly, consistently, and systematically, and not just in, in Washington. It must happen in London and Brussels and Paris and Berlin as well. Yeah. Well, the, this is what led in part to the collapse of the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union become, became such a rigid ideological system towards the end and that the lies that had been told repeatedly that were com, you know, clearly out of touch with what was all happening on the ground, it, it finally came to a boiling point and then it collapsed in on itself. I, I really think that's where we're headed, ultimately. We, we can't keep lying to ourselves about what Russia is during the height of the Cold War with the Soviet Union, when the when the Soviet Union actually genuinely represented a far greater threat than anything that Russia poses today, the United States still found a way to have cordial civil discussions with the Soviets without painting them as the spawn of Satan. And, and today, can you think of a single prominent American politician, including Donald Trump, that could stand up and say, yeah, you know, I want to open up and have sit down with Vladimir Putin and we want to negotiate. You're going to immediately be excoriated as some sort of tool of, of, the, of the Soviets, of the communists, as a, a surrender monkey, is under their control. And so without that, we have no foundation for dialogue and discussion in order to try to get things back on uh, 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 on a level playing field where we can avoid killing each other. Do do uh, Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, speak with their opposite numbers in Moscow? Uh, I don't know. I hope so now. But uh, I know that in the past, prior, prior to the start of the special military operation uh, a year ago, February, as the Russians call it, there was... Uh, particularly like in Syria, where you had Russian forces and U.S. forces, uh, you know, operating in similar uh, areas of operation, that there were daily, sometimes twice daily conference calls between the general there and the Russian generals. And they would coordinate and deconflict and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And they, uh, you know, so there was that level of communication. Uh, it, it looks like, though, that that has been significantly reduced. So it, it's, it, I mean, it's it's really frustrating because the Russians, you know, and I know I get painted for this, but but the Russians are not our enemy. The Russians are not intent on conquering the world, and we need to recognize that we've got so much in common with Russia, and in fact, even still behind the scenes. We cooperate with the Russians on the space program, on the space station. So, I right. mean, if we can cooperate on the space station and keep astronauts alive in outer space, 
maybe we could do a little bit more of that here on Earth and keep. How, how did uh, Putin and his generals manage to keep the number of uh, Ukrainian civilian deaths so low, and the number of Ukrainian military deaths so high? Well, that's why this is called a special military operation, and it's not a war. Russia is not just playing word games. That was a very specific term and directive from Putin, because Putin recognized you don't win wars by killing civilians. You create a bigger problem for yourself. And in fact, you even go back to World War II, the bombings of the U.S. 8th Air Force with the British killing all of those German civilians did not advance the end of the war. It may have actually helped prolong it from the, that side in terms of it didn't build support for the West. It actually solidified support for Hitler. And we've seen that in conflict after conflict after conflict, that you have to destroy the military components. And so the Russians have been very cautious and precise in that. It's not to say that there have not been civilians killed. There have been, but it has been a deliberate directive from Putin and from the general staff that they're not going to just wantonly attack civilian areas and blow it up. And the Ukrainians make that charge, but if it was true, they would be able to trot out the pictures of all the dead civilians, and they're not doing that. We're seeing that in Palestine because Israel is killing that many civilians. Are the elites in D.C. and Brussels still convincing themselves that Ukraine can win the war? No. They're, 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 as a, the quote Star Wars, there's a disturbance in the force. Uh, <laughs> so you're starting to see, uh, you're starting to see uh, you know, people like Richard Haas. He went on Joe Scarborough the other day, Morning Joe. And, and admitted that basically, you know, the war's the war's lost, and we've got to figure out how to get Ukraine to the bargaining table. They are they are coming up with this uh, strategy that well, let's get a let's see if we can get a ceasefire and then draw have a long drawn out and try to bleed Russia over time. This is this, there's still this obsession with trying to hurt and destroy Russia. And the difference now compared to, say, 18, 19 months ago is the Russians, I think, have finally awakened to the fact these guys don't want to be our friends. They, they want to destroy us. So therefore, we need to treat them and act towards them accordingly. So you have political infighting, uh, President Zelensky and his uh, folks against General Zeluzhny and his. You have uh, the draft of people from age seven to age 70, and they may expand it to women. You have canceled uh, elections in 2024, and you have blocked borders, preventing draft age people from leaving. I guess we're seeing the beginning of the end or maybe midway into the end of the Ukraine regime as we have known it to be. Right, and we'll get a better indication this week. The, the reports have been, but not confirmed, that they are going to institute mass mobilization. So everybody between 17 and 70. And there's already ample video evidence of women, Ukrainian women that are in uniform fighting in the frontline trenches side by side with the men, pregnant women included. Well, yeah. This is just, this is a horror because what they're doing is they're literally sacrificing their future. 
the, not just the future of those women, the future, the ability of the Ukrainian people to stay alive by having babies going forward. So it is the, the casualties among the Ukrainians are mounting. They keep putting out this. They actually, that one of their television stations posted uh, two, two days ago. They, they put out a report noting that there were 1.2 million killed and wounded. And boy, Zelensky's office went crazy. And the, 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 they were forced to retract a report. Go, oh, oh, that was just a typo. We didn't mean it. No, they absolutely, for once, a little bit of truth seeped out. That's what Ukraine is facing. So our, our colleague, Colonel McGregor, says it's about 400,000 what he calls unrecoverable injuries, meaning either death or injury so severe the person can never return to the battlefield uh, on the part of a whole generation of Ukrainian uh, young men. Right. We don't know the Russian number. Do you know the Russian number? It's got to be a fraction of that. Yeah, it is. It's it's under a hundred thousand. The there have been attempts to count it, and it appears it's between sixty seventy thousand uh, that have been killed in action over the course of this. Which is still that's a huge number. That's as many as we lost in Vietnam over fifteen years. But uh, you know, Russia's still been exercising caution, and and what's happening this week though is. They are they are, they are making fairly they are making very significant progress and retaking some key locations that are just outside of the city of Donetsk, and uh, then on top of it, General Winter has shown back up. I mean they they were lashed with hurricane force winds mm. uh, yesterday, both both Ukraine and into Russia, uh, snow blizzard conditions. Uh, well over a foot of snow in some areas, which makes vehicles, you know, aren't moving. So uh, this, the whole winter has gotten off to a much colder start for Ukraine, which means it's, it's going to, the people are going to be suffering more because the electrical systems have been attacked by Russia as a means to try to weaken support for the government. Has Russia attacked the city of Kiev in the past two or three days? Oh yeah. They, they had the, both on uh, on Friday, they announced what was uh, it was announced as the largest drone attack, and then the next day, no, 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 today was the largest drone attack. So they're hitting them with drones. The Ukrainians continue to come out. And claim, oh yeah, we're we're shooting all those down. Yet uh, the the power goes out because the, the drones are actually hitting targets, and the drones are targeted at military facilities, uh, warehouses storing military equipment and at both communications and power power stations. So they're not, again, they're, they're not going after uh, hotels, uh, theaters. I mean, just last, last week, the Ukrainians bombed a theater at which there was a performance going on, killing, you know, killing several people, including the lead performer. You know, mm. there, there's no reason in the world to target a facility like that. Larry Johnson, thank you, my dear friend. Always a pleasure. We look forward to the roundtable with uh, Ray McGovern on Friday. Thanks, Judge. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Three o'clock this afternoon, three o'clock Eastern, Colonel Douglas McGregor. We are oh so close to 240,000 subscribers, which I hope we would hit by Thursday, last Thursday. Thanksgiving, we'll probably hit it today. And then onward to a quarter of a million by Christmas. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. <laughs>